0: Church Life Today is a production of Spoke Street Media and the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame and is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union and our listeners. More than 8,000 miles separate students at the University of Notre Dame from students at St. Biquita Vocational Training School in northern Uganda. But a course on innovation and design thinking is bringing them together. The creator of that course is Wendy Engst, teaching professor in the Mendoza College of Business at Notre Dame, where she also serves as assistant department chair in management and organization. She is also a fellow of the Pulte Institute for Global Development. Through a partnership with St. Biquitas begun in early 2020, Professor Angst has taught and guided Notre Dame undergraduate students in working with students at St. Piquita's and their local community members to develop and strengthen this school that helps create opportunities for young girls who otherwise have few opportunities before them. One of the best places to learn about St. Piquita's Vocational Training School is on their Facebook page, where you can also link to ways for supporting St. Biquita students, especially in the form of scholarships. For now, Wendy Angs joins me to talk about the history and mission of the school, the ways in which design thinking is helping her own students serve the St. Biquita community, and the innovative approach to development that begins with empathy. I'm Leonard DiLorenzo. This is Church Life Today, a production of the McGrath Institute for Church Life, and the Spoke Street Media Network. I'm glad you're here. Wendy, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, I wonder, Wendy, if you could start off by telling us a little bit about the history of St. Bikita Vocational Training School in northern Uganda. How and why did this school come into existence?
1: Sure, I'd be happy to. So the school was actually launched in 2007, and it was created after the Lord's Resistance Army conflict was starting to wind down, although it hadn't truly ended at that point. But there were a lot of young girls that had been abducted by the LRA that were returning back to communities that had been decimated. And these girls had missed out on years of education. And they were going back to villages where oftentimes their family members would have been killed or harmed in some way, and they really didn't have a safe place to go back to, and they didn't have a foundation for which to regain these lost years that they had and pick up on the education that they had missed. So St. Paquita's was formed in honor of St. Paquita, the patron saint of human-trafficked individuals, and these girls were able to attend school and bring their children that many of them had had while being abducted and obtain a vocational education and basically have a chance to start over and build a future for themselves and their children.
0: What kind of vocational educations would they receive at St. Paquitas?
1: So, traditionally, back in 2007, we offered tailoring, catering, and woodworking Mm -hmm. were the three primary subjects.
0: And that grew from there into other types of vocational work eventually?
1: It did. It did. And over time, what happened is that the funding that was coming from an order of Italian nuns Mm -hmm. began to dry up and move on towards other conflicts. And The initial structure of the school, which was the case for many of the challenges that Uganda was feeling at that time, was coming from Western dollars and donation support that was coming in. So the students were receiving full scholarship dollars to support their tuition. So when there was no longer tuition dollars available... The school went through the challenge of trying to transition and help people right. understand the value of paying for an education. So, when I first had an opportunity to visit the school in March of 2020, there were only 10 students at the school at that time, as opposed to 2007 when there were around 250 wow. students at the school. And in large part, it was because the students did not have the dollars to pay for that tuition to attend school.
0: How did St. Piquita's get onto your radar? How did you first learn of them? How did you get connected?
1: You know, through the amazing networking we have at the University of Notre Dame, mm-hmm. I was invited to be a Pulte Institute Fellow. And in the introductions, I had met a colleague of mine, Tom Lochran, who had done work in Uganda. And he had mentioned that St. Paquitos was a school that they were trying to figure out how to help and support and help it, you know, find a new path forward. And at the time, I had been teaching my innovation and design thinking course that primarily had focused on working with for-profit partners. So we had worked with Seventeen Magazine and Disney Channel and Live Nation. And that semester, we were actually um, looking at working with a financial firm out in New York City, and it had just fallen through. And one of my personal missions, I've always been really passionate about women's and children's causes, and it just seemed like a bit of a providential opportunity. So so we signed on and really quickly formatted the class to do work with St. Paquitas. And our initial prompt was how might we reimagine vocational education for St. Paquitas? And then here we are today, almost two years later. Yeah, how about (laughs) that?
0: So your work with St. Paquitas, as you're telling us, coincided with this work you'd been doing in this course on innovation and design thinking. Mm -hmm. And as you were saying, you were working mostly with for-profit organizations and working through design thinking practices with them on small projects. As you took on St. Piquita as a partner for Mm -hmm. this course, and mostly undergraduates in this course, I imagine. Yes, they are all undergraduates in this course. All undergraduates, yeah. What's the approach that you took— with your students to help them begin their work in design thinking with a place like St. Ah,
1: Well, I guess, you know, initially for the listeners that maybe aren't as familiar with the design thinking methodology, I teach courses that are primarily in consulting and entrepreneurship and innovation. And what's great about the design thinking methodology as you're approaching business problems is it begins with a very human-centered approach of trying to have empathy for those you're looking to to solve problems for and with. So the five stages of the process we follow is first having empathy for those you are working on problems for. The second step is once you gather that information, then you redefine what the problem statement is that you're addressing. Then you ideate different ways to meet those needs. You develop prototypes, so manifestations of those ideas, and then you test them and get feedback. And in industry, you would keep going through that cycle until you you de-risked the (laughs) idea sufficiently to to be able to roll it out to the market. So in this course, beginning with St. Paquitas, when we couldn't necessarily immerse ourselves and engage with our users because they were 8,000 miles away, Mm -hmm. we had to be very creative. So we initially began by finding... A partner on the ground in Uganda that could help serve as our kind of on-the-ground coordinator and resource to organize phone calls with previous graduates of St. Piquita's and with the current students and staff that were at the school. So we started with a lot of phone conversations, and then we looked for different opportunities for the students to have analogous immersions, so things that might replicate what it would be like to be in the environment of St. Paquitas, both from the standpoint as a student and also from the standpoint of being in a setting that is dealing with the extreme level of poverty that this region of Uganda is dealing with. So we... Coordinated as much on the ground research as we could, and then we identified one person from each team, so 10 students all together, to travel to Uganda over spring break. Wow. Um, and as I'm sure you recall, that was uh-huh. the spring break that no one was sure <laughs> if it should happen or not. <laughs> it, um, happened. <laughs> it happened. Yep. It happened, and we were able to, to make that trip, and it was really just eye opening for all of us to be there on the ground. Yeah. Because, you know, approaching it with design thinking, you can't help but, as we all do, tend to process the problems through your own lens of your own experience. Experiences and even things such as thinking about a healthy, balanced diet for these girls. And that was one of our team's focus. And they were, you know, conceptualizing, well, what if we were to do something like a blue apron and, you know, get fruits and vegetables and have them delivered to the different homes. And then you get there (laughs) on the ground and you think, my goodness, that's not even within the realm of what's possible at this point. But it was a really phenomenal experience then to be there in person and see firsthand just how the girls live and what their homes look like and the fact that they walk a mile and carry water back. And it's just a a really different perspective to actually be there and and put yourself in the shoes of another.
0: Mm. When your students arrived in Uganda, and they went to St. Piquitas. I imagine they had expectations, like you're sort of alluding to here about what this would be like. How did their experience at the school and meeting, especially the young women who were attending school there, how did that encounter match up or not with the expectations that they brought in, or perhaps you brought in?
1: Yeah, I would say that, and I'm sure I speak for the other 10 students that were with me, that it did not match up with our expectations at all. You know, even to the extent that you tried as much as possible to really conceptualize what it might be like to live in a developing country where, you know, our students, they live in mud huts, you know, with thatched roofs and they don't have running water or indoor plumbing and they don't have electricity. You know, they have a, a small solar panel outside of most of the mud huts. So even though you know that to actually experience it and and be in your accommodations when there is no option for having any light and it's mm-hmm. just pitch Darkness when the electricity goes out. It's again really, really different to be there. So I would say for all of us, it just was a life changing experience.
0: <laughs> this is Leonard DiLorenzo. You're listening to Church Life Today on the Spoke Street Media Network. I am joined today by Wendy Angst of Notre Dame's Mendoza College of Business, where she serves as teaching professor and assistant department chair in management and organization. Wendy is also a fellow of the Pulte Institute for Global Development. We are talking about her work with St. Bikita's Vocational Training School in northern Uganda. So as you were mentioning, the design thinking approach starts with empathy. Mm -hmm. And I think as we might have imagined, you're speaking to the difficulty uh, or the shock for students or yourself in moving into the situation and the context of the young women that they're hoping to serve through the school. So what was that transition like to take on an empathic position, condition, a way of starting out? What kind of, I suppose, like disorientation or movement within your students do you think had to take place for them to start doing the work that you were hoping to do with this course?
1: Oh, that's a really great question. And it's one that I'm constantly trying to explore in creative ways for the students and There's different methods that we use within the classroom. For instance, one of the challenges we know that our students at St. Paquitas face is the inability to have electricity consistently. Mm -hmm. So we had students, as a part of an immersive experience, try to go a full day without using electricity. Here, back here here, in the States. Here here at the university, yeah, and just mirror what that would be like and how you function and how you do your homework at Mm -hmm. night when you don't have access to electricity. We had students this semester that mirrored what it was like to have to go and gather water. And these young girls are carrying these 50-gallon, you know, yellow buckets of water. And so the students were getting big vessels of water and carrying them across campus on their head to just (laughs) mirror what that would be like. Yes. So, those are, you know, some surface level ways of trying to put yourself in the shoes of the user. But beyond that, really the greatest gift I would say comes from the conversations that the students are able to have with the students at St. Paquita's. So, the primary language there is a Choli. So, at different times, we've had interpreters that work with us to help with the translation. But the conversations are just so powerful, and in the reflections that students write midway through this semester, they often comment about just how life-changing it was really just hearing from a student that is close to their age and that just has had such a a different upbringing. One of the interviews this semester in particular, they asked the St. Paquita student, trying to just do a a warm-up and get to know her better, saying, you know, can you tell me, like, what's one of your happiest memories as a child? And the girl's response was... I don't have any. Wow! And this girl went on to talk about the fact that her family's hut had burned down twice. She had two pieces of clothing to her name. Her father died when she was young. Her mother is HIV positive, and she's the oldest of seven siblings, and they're counting on her at the age of 15 to get their family out of poverty. And you think you know that people you know are dealing with so much across the world and that we're very fortunate here where we are and very fortunate to be a part of this wonderful university but hearing that come from from someone that's just on the other end of a zoom call from you is just i think so powerful for our students to really help them just understand all of the many gifts and blessings, I think they know that, but as a reminder and and just the responsibility that I think we all have to use our, our gifts to mm. you know, make sure that we're taking care of other people in the world who maybe aren't as fortunate. Mm.
0: I imagine maybe I don't know if this is the right terminology, a more traditional approach to development would be to identify a problem, then go in and try to solve the problem and then move along. But what you're talking about in design thinking seems like it's something different, like you're starting from the human experience trying to take on as much as you can the experience of those you're you're seeking to help the user and to build up something that's more comprehensive that moves not just according to a problem but according to the persons that are there in the whole environment. So as you've taken on that approach with St. Biquita and your students were able, you know, at least 10 of them to be there to kind of set their eyes on the place, to get to know the people, to open their imaginations to what's going on. What sort of things did they start to pay attention to in terms of the development that they would hope to support in partnership with the folks at St. Paquita's?
1: Well, some of the things that we really recognized being on the ground and getting to talk with the students more in person was just how central the role of the father is, and whether or not they're supporting their daughters to be able to go to school. You know, many of these young women are basically one of many children in this region and within their family, and they are... Primarily tasked with helping fetch the water and get the fire started and care for siblings and help with subsistence farming to generate an income. And oftentimes these young girls are married off for the dowry mm-hmm. for the family. So we have recognized, and certainly being on the ground, you get the sense of just how powerful the role of the father is and whether or not there is support for that young girl to be able to have an opportunity at an education. Second to that is within this community, again. It's such a challenging environment where you even think about families that might choose and want to find employment. There's just not opportunities for them. Again, the bulk of income that's generated is from family members sitting on the side of the road and they're selling whatever they were able to grow in their garden. And I think seeing that firsthand, just the lack of opportunity and, and the fact that people can't just go out and find a job It's right. not the fact that they're not trying. It's just right. that there's you know jobs that just don't exist. So I think that was really powerful. And then again, just the environment of what it's like to be in a household where you're sleeping in a one-room, thatched roof, mm-hmm. mud hut with seven of your family members and thinking about what that would be like if you were trying to do your studies here, yeah. right? You think about final exam time right now when where our students are across campus and you know hunkered down and doing their work. You know, allegedly. Allegedly doing their work. Yes, allegedly doing their work. But they have the right environment, right, Right. to be able to sit down and study and and really apply themselves to their work. And Uganda, like many educational systems, you know, so much of it is based on the testing and how how prepared you are for the standardized tests that exist in order for you to move on to that next level and be able to advance in your education. And so again, for these young women, starting all the way back from those that had returned from the LRA, but they just have not had that same opportunity. They have a lot of responsibilities that are foreign to our children here and to us as kids growing up just to help their family survive. Hmm. So all of those experiences are things that... Again, you can read about them, but I think being on the ground, it really helped the students to feel it and to see it. And they did have an opportunity to visit and go into the homes of some of the students Mm -hmm. and to see what the homes were like and to visit with some other schools and just really get a sense for the place and the families and And just the whole scope around the role of the father and the mother and the siblings and and the girl. They call her the girl child and how challenging it can be to find an opportunity for her to get an education. Mm -hmm.
0: So when your students return from the trip, along with the other students who didn't Mm -hmm. go who are part of the course, I take it the expectation for them was not just to have learned about it and maybe write something about it, but actually now to do something, to actually apply some of the design thinking to actual opportunities or problems that they would find at St. Paquitas and to help spark some form of development and partnership with those folks. So what did your students settle on? Where did they, where did their imaginations go? Where did their work go to?
1: Yeah. Well, it was it was really exciting. So as mentioned, traveling at spring break was kind of a midway point for the course. So, this is spring
0: 2020. Spring 2020, so yeah. March, <laughs> it was like March 5th to 13th or something like that. Yes, yeah.
1: yes. And I suppose a benefit of being in a developing country with very little access to technology <laughs> is we were kind of blissfully unaware of, of right. how quickly things were were unraveling here. Right. But with that said, when the students traveled there, they had some notion based on the ethnographic research they were able to do prior to going in-country and they they went representing some type of idea with okay. that their team had and wanting to get some feedback on that idea. So once traveling there and being in person, we were able to capture a lot more interviews, video recordings in person, more photos. And so all of the students brought that back to their own teams and then they reoriented and relooked at the way they were thinking about their approach to the problem. And from there, we came up with, some really creative ideas, but the way that we've structured the course is that the students present the concepts back, and then we determine which ones will continue and support and fund. So, what's important to note that has enabled this work to happen is that I received an endowment for experiential learning that has enabled me to work with these partners and to enable students to be able to travel at no cost to the student to have these experiences. So, with that endowment, we identify the ideas that we'll focus on to help implement and bring forward. So, From this group in 2020, their team was initially focused on creating a forest of shea trees so that there could be a product of shea nut butter and shea oil and all of the different products that shea trees can make. And we knew that there were some shea trees on the ground at a farm that wasn't far from the school. It was about 375 acres that is leased from two different clans to the Archdiocese of Gulu, and our school falls under the Archdiocese of Gulu. So when we went and visited the farm, we were expecting to see a farm like you would see here.
0: (laughs) In Indiana. Wild land, yeah, (laughs) in
1: rows of fruits and vegetables. And it really just looked like a field, like (laughs) a very large field. And there were shea nut trees, but they were really scattered throughout. Mm -hmm. And it takes 30 years to grow a shea nut tree. And so that team pivoted. And they pivoted in a way of saying it's really important that we do focus on trees all of the cooking is done with charcoal. So, there's a really big deforestation crisis happening in Uganda because 89% of Ugandans, even in the large cities, cook with charcoal. So, a lot of trees being cut down. So, being focused on sustainability and again, looking for opportunities for the school to be able to generate income from the innovations that we're supporting, they came up with what we call the Trees Initiative. And It involved planting a mixture of trees that are fruit trees. So orange trees, papaya, mango, jackfruit, and then planting a tree called a charcoal tree. And the charcoal tree grows more quickly than a standard tree and can be harvested where you cut off just a branch of the tree and can turn it into charcoal and help Sell charcoal which can generate income and then also the fruit trees obviously over time will be able to grow and support that so that was our top idea and the students came up with a really phenomenal plan of how we would plant these trees help educate our students in agroforestry sustainability, charcoal production, picking and growing fruit, selling that at a market, potentially moving into a dried fruit market. So there's many different facets of ways to operate a business and have a continued education off of that program. So they created a crowdfund campaign, and they were able to raise $45,000. And this past summer, we just planted 20,000 trees.
0: No way. (laughs) Yes, we did.
1: And we had it timed so that we would plant those trees when the school reopened from covid and then the school did not reopen from COVID. <laughs> so we had the secretary of education with the archdiocese drove uh-huh. down in his car We had local priests, local community members, all of these people out just digging trees and planting 20,000 trees They just took
0: responsibility for it. They did. Wow. They
1: did. Yeah. So it was really amazing to see. And we did. We hired the locals to plant the trees, but it was just a good opportunity to all come together. And then we've had this group of students from that first 10 when we visited, six of those girls stayed on. They just didn't have you know, home environments to go back to. So they stayed out at the school free of charge for all of this time. This and is the
0: 10 students who are at St. Biquita. In 2020. The, the yeah. students, yes. Yep. So okay. we call them
1: our super six. So our okay. super six have stayed out all of this time. Okay. And they've been serving as kind of my on the ground partner hmm. and helping students in our classes here at Notre Dame so they can call these students and, and have conversations with them, help get their prototypes tested with these six students, but we provided the agroforestry training to those six students. so they were able to kind of be the supervisors and oversee the planting wow. of the 20,000 trees. And so with those six to it it gave us an opportunity to pilot having them be the first members in their family to open a bank account. Wow and deposit some money in there to you know for the work that they're doing and help them you know begin building that foundation of, of saving money and getting prepared to launch their own business at some point.
0: And these are 16, 17-year-old girls.
1: Yes, they are. I know. It's hard when—I know we both have kids in that range. We and do. It's hard to yeah. think about our kids <laughs> being able to <laughs> do that. <but>. Supervising anything. <laughs> yes. yes, indeed.
0: <laughs> this is Leonard DiLorenzo. You're listening to Church Life Today on the Spoke Street Media Network. I'm joined by Wendy Angst of Notre Dame's Mendoza College of Business, where she serves as teaching professor and assistant department chair in management and organization, also a fellow of the Pulte Institute for Global Development. We have been talking about her work with St. Bikita's Vocational Training School in northern Uganda. So for your own students, Wendy, was this for them? Was their connection with St. Bikita's over at the end of the term? They took the course. They had the connection with St. Bikita's. They came up with their project. Um, Did they pass the project along to someone else? Did they stay involved? What happens with your students?
1: Yeah, so with that first year, I had the misfortune of their well, I had the fortune of their misfortune <laughs> of many of them having delayed start dates for their work and um a delayed. Oh, they were internships. mostly senior
0: students. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: So so for those of those that had delays, they continued on in a pretty you know full on capacity, almost yes. you know working daily on the Saint Paquito's project, which was. Just invaluable. We rebuilt a website over the summer. As I mentioned, we launched the crowdfunding campaign. Mm -hmm. And then we continued to work through just some of the operational issues with the school to help, you know, make sure that we were building a solid foundation to continue uh, working with them as an institution. So we had a phenomenal team, and even to this day, a group of those students from that first class that traveled continue to stay involved, and they serve as advisors for the students in the projects now. Mm -hmm. One of them is actually traveling to Uganda with me this December in an advisory capacity. So, yeah. It's a testament, as you know, to the wonderful students we have here mm-hmm. at the university, but they have continued to to put volunteer time in to help support and make this a successful project.
0: Yeah, and then in terms of the students at St. Paquita, as you were talking about, the Super Six who yeah. are able to, in some ways, train to be the supervisors on the ground, they're developing— some of the skills for the work that's being initiated on behalf of the school and at the school. But I wonder also, is there a way in which you're hoping to pass on some of these same principles of design thinking to, say, the students at St. Piquita, so they can take similar types of approaches to situations or problems or opportunities that they find themselves in?
1: Yeah, no, that's an excellent point, and that is exactly where we are headed. And mm. I mean that literally and figuratively. Um, so I have a group of students that are representative of the innovation and design class from spring 2021, mm-hmm. and then just a couple that are joining from the class that just happened this fall. But we depart for Uganda on December 26th, and we are
0: my birthday, by the way. Oh, for all well, our listeners, gifts can be yeah. sent. Yes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I will bring you back some shea nut butter Perfect. from Uganda. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll be flying out on the 26th. And part of our objective at that time is to, again, refine some of the prototypes that have come out of these past two classes, but also to work on the design thinking principles and just making sure that we have that mindset instilled. So, as mentioned, you know, when we were planting the trees this summer, we were hopeful that the school would reopen and the Ugandan schools were shut down for quite a length of time due to COVID. They just didn't have the infrastructure for testing and vaccines that we do here. So our school officially just opened on the 7th of November. So we have just opened, really. So we've been in the process of getting teachers in. And so we have some traditional vocational teachers that are helping out with teaching in the tailoring, the catering, agriculture, and woodworking. Mm -hmm. And then we have hired four Teach for Uganda teachers, which are quite similar to Teach for America teachers. Mm -hmm. It's the same. Program that are very innovative in their mindset. So, our plan is to just work really closely with this team and have them help be our leaders on the culture of the innovation and design thinking mindset for these innovation scholars. So, we're providing work study scholarship for 78 students. And 78 came from the number to align with the number of students that I had as undergraduates in my design thinking classes, Uh so that each one would be paired up with a student at St. Paquita's and a student here at Notre Dame. So, we will be doing our best to provide some initial introduction to the design thinking mindset and to further de-risk some of the the next iteration of concepts that we have.
0: Yeah. If you don't mind me asking, I'd love to hear a little bit about what this work has meant for you personally. This is your professional skill set. You've become an expert in this. You teach in this area. But as you were saying at the beginning, you know, especially with this course, you were working with for-profit companies, organizations, and then this opportunity came along, as you said, providentially to work with St. Bikita. So for you personally, in your work and your life, what has this relationship meant for you?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that could make me very teary to go into the depth of that. But let me just say that my role has been as a teaching professor and as the assistant department chair. And nowhere in that role did it to find helping launch a school in Uganda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that has been really a passion project and I think, you know, having the opportunity to be on the ground and to sit with these young girls who, again, you know, you can't help but look at them through the lens of your own children and think my daughter was born here in the U.S. and she has every opportunity available to her and meeting a girl in Uganda. I talk about this in the Mendoza article that's out there in our 100-year anniversary issue that just came out, but there were two twins and the one twin was able to go to school. Her aunt really advocated for her and her twin sister was married off to a man who was 38 years old and she was a 16-year-old girl and for the dowry. For the dowry. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, you can't help but hear those stories and just feel almost ashamed that you're living in the environment that you're living in and not doing more. And I know that's just one example of the countless you know, challenges that that others are facing around the world and around the globe. But I would say for me, I'm a big believer in kind of being intentional about the impact that you want to have in the world. And I've always thought that at some point, I actually, when I was 21, I wrote at some point, I either want to run a volunteer organization that focuses on women and children issues, or I want to be a professor because I thought like the, (laughs) you know, the giving back would be about the same. It's just amazing to me that the two have kind of uh, come together. But again, I would say, I feel like it's such a gift that you know we have, I think, just some of the most intelligent, compassionate people in the world at our university, both with faculty and with students. But to have these students get exposed to this type of work now and as they're preparing for their careers and their futures going forward not expecting that this would make any of them, you know, kind of change. And I'm not going to be an investment banker now. I'm going to go, you know, run a school Mm -hmm. in Uganda. and, And that's not really the intent of it. But I think just having that awareness and having that personal connection with a person who's living such a different life and understanding just the opportunity that we have, whether it's in a really small way right now of just being aware, right, or, you know, making that recommendation all the way to those students that are sacrificing their rest of their winter break to travel to Uganda and spend time in country working with these girls this semester. To me, it's really given me this opportunity to, I think, help support and live Notre Dame's mission and do it in such a way that hopefully it has an impact on our students' lives for many, many years to come.
0: Yeah. For those of us who don't have the good fortune of being part of the course or visiting St. Piquita's, you've created some ways for other people to be involved in supporting this work. I came across the, the Innovation Scholars Program, for example. Can you tell us about that and how people can support that program?
1: So we have launched a student club called Innovation for Impact. And through that club, the club has launched a GoFundMe not a GoFundMe campaign, a crowdfunding campaign. Uh And with that crowdfunding campaign, the focus, the students are looking for support for tuition dollars to help scholarship and support tuition for these, Mm -hmm. these girls.
0: This offers some tuition assistance for girls to attend St. Piquitas because, as you said, this transition from fully funded, provided education to being able to sort of support the education through tuition is a big change and something that is an important aspect of the sustainability of the school. Yeah. But then also paying teachers to Mm -hmm. have it well staffed the resources for the school in terms of infrastructure and also supplies and resources and all of that. Yeah,
1: right. absolutely. And I, I'm glad you brought that up. And you know, part of the way that we're structuring this is being really careful, even though I use the term scholarship yeah. to the listeners, we're viewing this as a work study model. So all of the Great. students that will be getting tuition support in the form, you know, from what we would understand as scholarship, they're in fact responsible for helping support the school with cooking meals, mm. with tailoring, making clothing items. So, when we travel this December, we'll be bringing back some of the clothing items that the students have made that we can make available here at the university, and also working at the farm and helping support and tend the trees. So, the opportunity for these girls to earn back their tuition and have a portion of that go into a bank account to teach that savings is a part of the model that we've been establishing. And with that, it's also really important for me to note that our benefactors also supported the donation of a computer lab. So it's mm. the Mary S. Espolito Technology Learning Center. And so that computer lab has 40 computers and 35 smartphones. So that enables us to establish this more direct kind of mentorship relationship building between our students here and the students at St. Paquita's. And we're envisioning that will be other ways to help support income generation for the school as well going forward
0: Well, Wendy, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us about this incredible work with St. Paquita's Vocational Training Center and for the work that your students are doing in this innovation design thinking course. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much, Lenny. It was really a pleasure to talk with you and to share a bit more about this work with your listeners.
0: And if anyone would like to follow up on this work or on St. Baquita's Vocational Training Center or perhaps find ways to donate, including to this Innovation for Impact program, you can visit the St. Bikita Vocational Training Center Facebook page. Again, that's the St. Biquita Vocational Training Center Facebook page, and you can access all of the information from there. But for now, thank you for joining us on Church Life Today. We'll talk to you next time. Church Life Today is a production of Spoke Street Media and the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame, and is brought to you in part by Notre Dame FCU and our listeners.
1: This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.